stand again, please. Turn in your songbooks to 421. 421. Wonderful.
Powerful. Thank you so much. Good message. Well done. Thank you. Isaiah 63. Good to have Bill and Arise back and their family. And they've been in the Dominican Republic visiting family, but doing VBSs for missionaries and churches. Bill was sick over there for a while, so we prayed for him. Glad he's back. And I don't know, Bill, will you be up to giving us a report tonight of what happened? Okay, we'll do that tonight, maybe five or seven or eight, ten. Maybe not tonight. Okay, we'll talk about it. But uh, we'll get a report from him and uh, everything going on over there. But we're glad he's back and he's safe. And, uh, of course, the family. Amen. I appreciate these families that go from time to time to the mission field, try to be a blessing and a help. Uh, we got a trip planned for next year. Brother Tom is helping me and Shalene and my wife to set this up. They're doing a lot of the pre-work. We'll have announcements soon, but uh, planning on going over and seeing three of our missionaries that are faithfully serving over in Europe. And uh, we'll get that information to you. But you get an opportunity to do that, it'll be a blessing to you, I promise you. But it'll also be a blessing to those missionaries. Uh, they, they work and labor without seeing some of their family or friends for lots of years. Uh, we were over in Germany a few years back and got to visit with a senior missionary family. They've been, I think they're both 80 years old now. And uh, they hadn't had a visitor uh, from the States in 10 years. And uh, it gets lonely, and, and they miss their families, but they're faithful, and uh, we want to go. I got some plans uh, also in the future to go see some of the folks out of our own ministry that are over serving the Lord in different places. But we got some men and young men serving in the states that need encouragement from time to time. And just go by and spend a few days with them, worship with them, go door knocking, whatever they need done. And it really lifts them up and helps them. So uh, keep your ears open and your heart open to where the Lord might want you to go on a mission trip and uh, be a blessing. Okay? All right. Isaiah chapter 63. We're going to look at the first uh, verse and then drop down to verse 7 through 9 to get started today. Isaiah 63 verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom uh, with dried garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to serve, he says. Verse 7. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed upon us. And the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to his multitude of loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, a children that will not, uh, uh, will not lie. So he was their savior. Verse 9, in all their affliction he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. I want to preach a thought today, and I think it's timely uh, with all that happened uh, over the weekend with these shootings, is this thought, our sympathetic Savior. I'm glad we have a God that is sympathetic toward us, toward his people, that is full of uh, compassion and empathy and comfort. 
it's good to know maybe some folks going through something in their own personal lives today as a family or a couple or an individual you have a sympathetic savior yes, sir. and today's message to remind you of that let's pray father thank you that you are sympathetic toward your people you care about what we care about you care who we care about Lord, in the burdens and trials of life, you're always present, even though sometimes we don't feel like it. We don't sense it like we, we should, perhaps at times, but Lord, you're always there. You, you promised us you'd be there. Whether there be floods or fire, you're going to be there. You promised to never forsake us. And help us to remember this truth, even though maybe some are going through some sorrow right now. Some are going through some health issues. Some are going through some uh, domestic situations. Or whatever the pressure may be, perhaps it's financial. Perhaps it's an emotional situation. Lord, help them to see that you love them, you care about them, you're there for them, and you are sympathetic toward us. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your character, your attributes. You're a great God. And we pray this in Jesus Christ, your son's name. Amen. Our sympathetic Savior. Now the Holy Spirit of God, of course, has given us the New Testament, which is wonderful. And sometimes people that are New Testament believers, uh, we kind of have this thought that the New Testament is more important than the Old Testament, but it's not true. All scriptures give by inspiration of God. For our profit, you understand, the scripture tells us. The Old Testament is very important and it gives us a base and a foundation for faith and a lot of different characteristics and virtues of faith. But God has recorded some things in his word throughout his word, both Old and New Testament, to encourage us about him, about his character, about who he is as our great sovereign God. Amen. Jesus, in his earthly life, he showed us the Father, he said. And Jesus many times was showing us the sympathy of the Father and the concern of the Father and the compassion of the Father and so forth. Now sympathy actually is, is a very simple word with simple meaning. And it means this. Sympathy means feeling of pity or sorrow. To be shared uh, through some experience of hurt, grief, or loss. Sympathy also means understanding our feelings of sorrow for things that we ourselves in our past have gone through. Therefore, we can have empathy toward other people going through where they may be going through at a given time. Amen. This morning, I want us to consider several texts in which Jesus showed genuine concern and sympathy for people going through their trial, their troubles, okay? And the Lord was there at, at darkest hour. Now, I know that many times I preach this, and it is true, that the Lord did a lot of his miracles not to be helpful or to be a good guy toward people going through struggling times, but to show who he was. The prophets of old had talked about him coming and performing certain miracles, and thereby it was saying to them, look, recognize who you're seeing here. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is very God. So some of the miracles were done to prove himself to be who he claimed to be. But the Lord was sympathetic and concerned for people in their darkest hour or trouble. He still is. 
Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like uh, as we are yet without sin. Temptation is not a sin, folks. Giving in to temptation is a sin. And the Lord faced what we face. He came here to live on this earth and be like us, to understand our plight of humanity. But he being the God-man, and he cared. Psalm 34, verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them which are of a broken heart, and save us such a one as be of a contrite spirit. That word contrite means to crush to a powder, meaning you can go through some things that absolutely decimate us, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, physically speaking. But the Lord cares. Don't ever think that God doesn't care. People say, well, if God, if God loved me, then this. If God cared, then he'd do. No, no, no. You're misunderstanding the very character of God. God didn't create sin. God didn't. didn't this, all the, the pain and suffering and murder and debauchery of today is because of Satan. And sometimes our own flesh giving into sinful things. It's not God's fault. Right. Oh my goodness, but he's sympathetic. Yes, sir. Psalm 147, verse 3. He, he, he deal with the brokenhearted and bindeth up, or excuse me, he healeth the brokenhearted and bindeth up their wounds. Go, if you would, to Revelation 21, if you can be quick about it. I, I, I'm wanting to move on here, but if you can't be, then just listen to what God's Word says. Revelation uh, 21 in verse 4 we read these words and God shall wipe all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death hallelujah neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away that's on the horizon 1st Corinthians I'm sorry 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 listen to verse Listen to what Paul writes in verses 3 through 8. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. If you've been through something and God has helped you, help someone else. If you've been through some pain and sorrow, help somebody else get through that. You've, got, you've been comforted by the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, by the brethren, by the word of God. You know, God has helped you now. Go and help someone else. That's the idea. So today we're talking about our sympathetic Savior. Maybe someone's coming here today and you're doubting that. Maybe you're in the midst of something and you're just wondering, where's God? How come God doesn't come? How come God doesn't understand? He, he will come and he does understand. And he will help you. The first thing I want to just bring to, to mind is a few examples of this throughout the scriptures. But we start with the first one in Mark chapter 1. If you want to turn over there to Mark chapter 1. And this is the, the account here of Jesus being sympathetic to Peter Concerning his mother-in-law. Now, there was a lot of mother-in-law jokes told during the tent. I don't know if you noticed it. You know. I'm not telling a joke today. I'm just saying Peter had a mother-in-law. These people that are Catholic and don't believe that, that Peter uh, wasn't married and he's the first pope, all that's, all that's just their doctrine. That's not Bible. 
Peter was married. Why would you have a mother-in-law and you're not married? I mean, I didn't want to tell a joke. But anyway, I had a great mother-in-law. I just want you to know. Better say that. My wife will be upset with me later. But anyway. Jesus was sympathetic toward Peter's mother-in-law. Mark chapter 1. Take a look at it. Verse 29. No, she was a gem. I love my mother-in-law. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into a house of Simon, Andrew, with James and John. Verse 30. But Simon's wife's mother. That's pretty clear, right? Simon's wife's mother lay sick of the fever, and Anon... They tell him of her. And he came and looked uh, uh, and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And watch this. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. Here's the Lord. Let me, let me say something about it. The Lord was very busy at this time. He was full of ministry. This place, that place. The scripture said he and the disciples were looking to go apart for a while because they had no leisure. Not so much as to eat, to have a meal. That's a busy schedule. And the Lord was busy in ministry. <laughs> and the Bible says that he was told of this woman, Peter's mother-in-law's illness. And it says, and on, and on, they tell him of her. Now that, that word, anon, A-N-O-N, means immediately or straight with or forthwith. So they didn't waste any time. They went to the Lord and told the Lord about Peter's mother-in-law being sick. They have a dialogue with him. They give him information. I believe they gave him information about what a good woman she was and how she was busy in the work of the Lord and so forth. Because it says that after he touched her, she went back to doing the things she was doing before. What was that? Ministry to others. You know, again, when we've been ministered to, we ought to be willing to minister to others. We've been comforted, go comfort. We've been helped, go help. We've been, we've been given hope, go give somebody else hope. Listen, that's our job as disciples of Jesus Christ, to share his good news and how God has been good to you and I. Amen. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to all run into problems of life. We're all going to have to deal with some things. Sometimes in life we think we're the only one going through something. It's not true. We all go through things. But while we go through things, let's get alongside and be a help to somebody. You have an experience that you've went through. You share how God helped you. That'll encourage somebody going through this wonder, am I ever going to get through this? Yes, you can. With the help of God. And here's this mother-in-law. She's sick. And listen, the Bible says they were concerned about her enough to go and tell Jesus. Now that says a number of things. Why would you go tell Jesus if you didn't think Jesus could do anything for her? But they believed he could. They cared about her. So they went to Jesus, not to tell on her, but to tell that she was sick and needed help. They told of her condition. They actually intervened on her behalf. Amen. And so this, this anon means by and by, they tell him. Over and over, they are telling him in great detail about her sickness and then in general detail about her that she was a good woman, a faithful woman, a helpful woman, worthy of attention, worthy of his touch. In verse 30 it says, and he ministered and she ministered unto them. As soon as she got done getting healed, what did she do? She right, right back to the work God had given her. What work do you have? What ministry do you have in the body of Christ? You get sick, you get you get laid off, you, you have a financial setback, you, you have some crisis, hey, these things happen. Yeah. 
But when the Lord helps us, do you go back and minister? Or do we just lick our wounds and say, God was short on time with me and I shouldn't have had to go on through this and complain and gripe and God help us not to do it in front of lost people. They get a bad opinion of faith in God and church and so forth. God forgive us. And as they learned about her situation, they, they couldn't wait to share it with the Lord. So he would help her. And when they did, again, she went back to serving. This word minister means to serve or care for. It's actually a word likened under the word deacon in our Bible. It means a servant, an attendant, a domestic those that serve or wait upon another. It means to actually stand nearby for the benefit of others, like a house servant, a cupbearer, a maitre d', standing ready to help and serve at a moment's notice. My wife, she's been so good to me through the years, and one particular time, she just wanted to take me on a date, and she, took, she set up the arrangements and took me to a hotel in Grand Rapids. I'd never been to this place. At the time, they had a five, not star, five diamond restaurant. I had never been to one of those in my entire life. And she set it all up. She's got some kind of coupon that lowered the whatever, but I, I know it was pricey, and I know it was, she, she went out of her way to do this for me and her to have a little weekend. And, and we went to this place and went to this restaurant. At the time, it was called Room 1913 or something like that. And I went to that, uh, that uh, went down there and I went to the door and there was a person standing there to welcome us, all dressed up in a nice tuxedo. Welcome here. Another person next to them, how are you this evening? We're glad you're here. And walked us to our table and we met the head maitre d'. And he had a get up on, showed he was a pretty important guy. And then somebody came to our table. And then across from our table, another one standing right there waiting for bringing water or bringing bread or bringing butter. There was somebody over here ready for... They had like seven people taking care of us. My first thought was, man, what's this going to cost? <laughs> but she set it all up. And boy, what a, what a treat it was. And the meal was fine. Every, we, we couldn't have an empty glass. We couldn't have the... They were there. They were there. They had this little tool in their hand. They're scraping the crumbs off. I just go like this on the floor. My wife, said, my wife says, don't do that. That's not good. Don't do that. But they had somebody had a little silver pan and a tool. I mean, I felt like somebody big and important. What I'm getting to is these servants all around were standing at readiness to whatever they thought we needed or what we asked for. Hey, that's the idea here. She was serving God and others came and said, Lord, this, this woman, this special gift, this, this lady that ministers, Peter's mother-in-law, she's sick. And the Lord, the Bible says he went by and he touched her hand. And the fever left her. And then the next thing she gets up, ministers to them. She's standing there. Lord, what can I do for you? The thing is, she was doing that before she got sick. Listen, we serve a great God. And listen, he's sympathetic. Do you understand that he puts himself in the place of a servant? The one who stands ready by to come to our aid? God, sovereign God. What a God. What a Savior. And he's sympathetic toward you and what you're going through this morning. He cares. I want you to know he cares. 
He's poised and ready. He's got all of heaven poised and ready to help you if that be his will. We are not to judge him or question him. We're just to know that he loves us so much that anything we do go through, he allowed it to happen or he has a purpose in it. Trust him. The Lord was first told of her illness. Secondly, the Lord rebuked the sickness. He rebuked the sickness. He drove it away. Why? Because he cared and because he had compassion. Because somebody cared enough to get her, Jesus to her in her time of need. And because he was demonstrating his authority over disease and illness to prove who he was. He was Master, Lord, Messiah, God. Amen? And listen, here's something else the Lord. He enjoyed her fellowship and her ministry after he touched her. Well, the Bible says she got up and ministered to him. He enjoyed that. Hey, I want you to get this before we move on. So you know what God wants? He wants your fellowship. Do you, listen, you say, well, I'm not much of a Christian. God loves you. And you're, he's redeemed you with his precious blood. He wants time with you. Amen. And he wants you ministering. And he wants you ministering to others. And he will minister to you in your time of need or sorrow or grief. He will. You're important. Hey, you might have come in this morning thinking you're not important. You are important to him. Thank God for a sympathetic Savior. He was here and he still is. Second of all, we see Jesus was sympathetic to the, the man of the palsy in Luke chapter 5. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 briefly. You know this story. Here's a man that uh, needed help. He couldn't do anything for himself. This word palsy has a meaning of loss of feeling or motion. Uh, paralysis, like a stroke victim. You know, my dad had a massive stroke years back, and I really never paid attention to stroke victims much. I, I'd be honest with you. But after dad had his and all that they went through and helping dad to take care of personal needs that he had and get him in and out of the bed and help dress him and, and, and all that he went through, I had more sympathy, more empathy toward people that had a loved one. I would notice them all the time in restaurants or getting in and out of cars or going to the doctor. Before, it's just like they weren't there. After someone goes through something, you understand and you're more compassionate. You're more understanding. You look at him and say, oh, boy, I feel so bad for them. Amen. That's natural. Here's a man that was likened in that condition. Enfeebled, feeble, lacking ability to be mobile. Can't get around like they used to. And I will see stroke victims today and they got a little three-pronged cane and they're trying to drag that foot and they're trying to be... I, I met a man years ago and he had a stroke. Right-sided strokes do some things and left-sided strokes do others. And he happened to have a right-sided stroke and usually they lose their ability for speech. My dad had a left side. He could speak, but he couldn't walk good. He couldn't take care of himself. And he had this stroke and this man, all he could do is laugh. And he got out of his car, and I said, hello, I, can I help you? And I opened the door, and ha, 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 ha. And he went across the parking lot, and he, he seemed joyful for me. And his wife said, no, he's had a stroke, and that's the only way he could communicate. And I, I felt so bad for that man. Not to be able to communicate. But thank God, 
I thought, well, he could have just been crying all the time. And some people do that. Don't make fun of them. They can't help themselves. But this man, he was smiling. And he, all he could do is laugh and try to communicate the best he could. Listen, this man had the palsy. He had lost the ability to take care of himself. Helpless and needy. And here's the thing the scripture will show us here in Luke chapter 5. Somebody came to him to help him. Yeah. Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, that word behold means time out, take a look at it, get this, God's saying. Men brought in a, a, a bed of a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, the Lord. And when they could not find by which way they might bring him in because of the multitude, uh, Scripture says press and other other places, press, large gathering of people. They went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, Jesus, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Jesus had compassion upon this helpless man. Somebody cared enough. To bring him to Jesus. Somebody cared enough to make an extra effort. Somebody cared enough. They had enough faith in the Lord to bring him to the one they thought could heal him. Now I'm going to say something to all of us. Are you trying to get anybody to Jesus? It takes a lot of effort. Some of you are good at it. Brother Steve Everett, he's good at getting people. We have a men's thing or we have a campaign. He, he, gets, he gets, I don't know how he gets his neighbors. He must bribe them, tell them he's going to give them a steak. I don't know what he, but he gets them here. He's good at that. It's not easy. Some of us can do it. Some of us, but everybody can try. Get people under the sound of the gospel. I'm glad for one soul in the tent, but we've had years where many people were saved. Folks were just not getting them out. We get a lot of other Christians out and sometimes backslidden, hurting Christians. That's good. They need it. But to see people saved, they got to get under the Bible, the influence of Scripture. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Word of God will work if people hear the Word of God. So I say to us, are we trying to get people to Jesus? Do we show care and concern about others in need, especially spiritually? The lost, the addicted, the lonely. Amen. As that song, it's easy to pass them by. You know, we can see it in their eyes, lonely people. But we don't take time, it seems, to reach out. It takes time to minister. The Lord Jesus forgave this man of his sins, according to Luke 5.20. And the rest of the chapter shows how the Pharisees were criticizing him because he did that. But this man was of the palsy. But here's the thing. There was somebody that cared enough to do what was necessary to get him to Jesus. And Jesus was sympathetic to the man when the man was placed before him. Listen, they climbed a roof. A palsied man, dead weight. You know how difficult that must have been? I remember when my 
My dad got saved and got baptized. Bob McLaren, Mike Childers, all the guys helped me get him in that baptistry because dad wanted to get baptized. He was a stroke victim. We had to put him in a straight back wooden chair and we had to lean him back. I had to three or four men carry that chair and him, I mean dead weight, in there because he was a stroke victim. And then we baptized and never forget my dad coming up out of that water. He went like this. He went. <laughs> he had that lip that went. That was the happiest day. It wasn't easy, no. But men made effort. They pastored. How can we help? Let's get this deed done. Amen. Here's this man in text. He's, he's palsied. He can't help himself, but somebody cared. Somebody cared enough and said, hey, if we can't get him through the door, let's get him through the roof. They devised a plan to lower him down to where Jesus was. They removed the tiling. How'd you like to have been the homeowner? What are you guys doing? No, 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 no. They made a big old hole in the roof big enough to get a bed and a man down. Think about it. Some of you would have had a heart attack. If it was your house, I know I would have. And they get him down to Jesus and the Lord heals him. Amen. And when Jesus, listen, saw their faith, he said to this man, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And this man was healed because of a sympathetic Savior, but some other people that cared. You know, we don't often think about this. When the men rose up, verses 25 and 26, when the men tried to get this man to Jesus, and Jesus healed him, and everybody was excited. Read the rest of the story. They're excited, they're shouting, and he get, picks up his bed and he goes home. He hadn't been able to go home. He gets to go home. And everybody's excited. But then nobody thinks about the after party. They had the celebration. Everybody disperses. They're talking all the way back to their hometown. Do you see what Jesus did? you see those guys lower him through the roof? Hey, somebody had to fix that roof. Somebody had to pay for the material. Somebody had to do the labor. Somebody had to invest time. Somebody had to please the homeowner in the satisfaction of how good the job was done. Not like halfway like Baptists do. Just, I mean, really, really good. Like Presbyterians. But anyway, <laughs> they take upon in the responsibility of getting this man to Jesus. See, that's the problem with us. We care, but we don't care enough. Me too. Again, before I had a stroke victim myself in my life, I never cared about people like that. To this very day, I see them. I try to help them out. I try to get them in the car. I try to do everything I can to help those people. Sometimes they say, well, I don't know. I, I give them names of companies and who they can call to get assistance and things that we, my mother and I and my brothers went through to try to help dad. Listen, I have more care. I have more concern. I have more. I've been through it. Remember when you were lost? Somebody cared for you. Thank God for the people that reached out to me. Amen. Many of you do a great job at this. I want to ask you a question. Who are you trying to get to Jesus? Who are you going to Try to help. And here's some practical. Who's going to pay the bill? Who's going to deal with the planning? Who's going to do the labor? Who's going to clean up? Who's going to take care of the responsibility of the afterwards? And please, I'm not trying to be negative, but think about it. 
We, we, we're in a day where a lot of people come to church and they're looking for a church. What's this church going to do for me? Right. And as President Kennedy said, which you may not like President Kennedy, but he says not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. It's true about Christian service too. Somebody will see, say, well, I wonder when the church is going to fix that. I wonder when they're going to do that. I, I wonder why they don't get that done. Hey, instead of thinking that way, why don't you maybe go up to one of the deacons or Pastor William and say, what can I do to help this situation? <laughs> we'll, have three, we'll, have, we'll have four deacons have a heart attack right on the spot, I guarantee it. Help them up after they fall over. Because, folks, it's easy to say, you know, I want to go to a church that's like this or that. I, I, I want a church that has a tent meeting. I want a church that has a mission program. I want, a, you know, I want a church that's updated and get a new parking lot and build a building. I want a church like that. Okay, okay. Great. I do too. But what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Aren't we having fun this morning? This is like a Sunday night sermon rather than Sunday. I'm supposed to be nice to everybody. I'm trying to. But I'm just telling you, we have a sympathetic Savior and he wanted to help that man, and he did, but somebody had to work awful hard to get him to Jesus. Everybody wants so much in a church, but what are you going to do? Right. I when are we going to get that building built? I don't know. What are you doing? Are you giving anything? Some people aren't. And sometimes the people that complain the most about what's not right at the church are ones that won't even help a bit. Right. And I love them in Jesus' name. Folks, ministry, ministry is hard. Somebody's got to do the work. Somebody's got to pay the bill. Somebody's got to be willing to do the maintenance. Somebody's got to be willing to care. Let's go out here in this world and see people that are in trouble. Let's seek to do something about it. Somebody you know that's addicted, man, get them to RU so they can be encouraged. Somebody you know is lonely, go by and get them. I thank God for the people that, listen, we got people that have to get a ride here, and we got people that go and get them, and they're very consistent. Thank God for those people. And if you're ever asked to help in that endeavor, don't say, well, I can't, it's out of my way. Sermon today. Amen? Well, we'll move on to something nicer. <laughs> Thirdly, the Lord Jesus was sympathetic with Jairus' daughter. Turn to Mark 5 again. And I'll just give you these three. I'll mention some others that I was prepared to preach, but taking a little longer today. Uh, Mark chapter 5, we see that Jesus was symp sympathetic to Jairus' daughter. Jairus was a man who had a daughter, and she was sick, and she ended up dying. Oh, I can't even imagine what, it, what it's like to be a parent of a, of a child that they have to say goodbye to. I've done a lot of funerals over the, lots of funerals, and the hardest ones are those of children. I've been in some sad situations. I never like them. I don't want to be in them, but I have to be because that's what I do. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to help. But physically and emotionally, those are the hardest and the Lord was sympathetic toward a man that just lost his daughter. Chapter 5, and look at verse 20. He departed 
And the Bible says he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the city. And behold, there it is again. Pay attention. There cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she may live. And Jesus went with them, and much people followed him and thronged him. Well, verse 43, verse 35 for time. While he yet spake, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue house, certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith to them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? This damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and he saith unto him, Tabitha Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years. They were astonished with a great astonishment, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it and accomplish that something should be given to her to eat. Wow, what a story. We got any 12-year-olds in here this morning? Anybody 12? If you're 12, stand up. If you're 11, stand up. If you're 13, that's close enough, stand up. Okay, look. Look at here. Thank you. You may be seated. It kind of puts it into context. This man lost his daughter, child, life ahead of her. And while he went to get help, she, he comes back with Jesus and they come out and say, oh, it's too late, she's dead, don't trouble the master. Of course, they weren't troubling the master, he cared. Again, the Lord was very busy at this time, had a heavy schedule. He lands ashore. When he gets to shore, there's, instead of just having a cool breeze and enjoying the tropical time, no, 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 people are there thronging him. But yet he's tired and he's spent and he's exhausted, but there's someone that comes to him, distraught, overwhelmed, looking for someone to make a difference in their dire circumstances. And Jesus comes. And we know the story. She's raised. Wow. But the unbelieving, the skeptic, the mockers, they don't believe. But the Lord of glory, being very God, raises her and gives her back unto her parents. Wow, what a story. The Lord cared. You know, sometimes we need to picture in our mind's eye what it's like to be where someone else is. As I had the children stand up, it gives us focus. 
You know, when you know someone's addicted, try to understand maybe how they feel. You can't unless you've been through it. But try to enter into the feelings and the emotions. Somebody's dealing with a loss of a loved one to death. Try. You know, many of you have been through that. You say, I understand. Unless, if it's a wife or a husband or a husband to a wife, unless you've lost a husband or a wife, you can't. You can't. But you can try the best. You can imagine in your heart and mind what they may be going through. Someone dealing with cancer or a heart ailment or some other major health concern. If we could just take the moment and really show some compassion and care enough to try to enter into that, then we'll pray better. Oftentimes I'll send notes to people going through health things and I'll say, share with me some details if you can because I want to pray with, and I always say this, with knowledge. Why? I don't know. I'd like to pray knowing where things are at so I can ask God to be very specific. You know, we could just say, well, I'll pray for you. What does that mean? But when we pray with empathy, sympathy, when we pray saying, well, I, I have a, lo a loved one that has cancer, or I have been through that and God's healed me, don't you know how much that can help somebody else to say, hey, there's hope? Right. Amen. Right. But here's a situation where a man has lost his child. I've never had that. I can't enter into that. But Jesus entered into that situation and God used him and it's unbelievable but she was brought back you know why because somebody cared somebody believed he cared enough to go to God himself Jesus help my daughter Jesus she's sick before she dies Jesus you know, there's somebody in your life that's lost, and they may be on their way to hell. Now's the time to care about it. Now's the time to do something about it. Instead of when it's going to happen, or it seems like it's going to happen, then panic. and well, Do we got to do something? Pastor, go. Pastor, do. Church, do. Hey, let's show concern ahead of time. And start with our own family, our own loved ones. Amen. And I don't have time, but we could go to the sympathetic story of Jesus with the widow who had an only son, and she's burying him in the city of Nain. And the Lord comes by, and he sees that casket. He sees that bear, they call it in Scripture. And he goes by, and he puts his hand on the bear, and that, that son arises again from the dead. Four times our Lord rose people from the dead. Four times. But listen, we read the story, but there were actually four people, four families, four sets of loved ones that were going through that. That's real. Jesus was, again, probably busy going somewhere, doing what he's been called to do. But he took the time to stop and observe and approach and touch and deliver because he's a sympathetic savior. But the Lord needs some sympathetic disciples that'll do their part. Can we see what it must have been like for that, that old widow woman losing her only son? She doesn't have a husband anymore. Her son just died. Everything of ownership, land, property, all value was in that boy. And now she's, she don't have anything. Nothing. But Jesus cared enough to come and raise her up. 
Our Lord and Savior demonstrated great sympathy to the man dying alongside of him at Calvary. Luke chapter 23, saying to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That might not mean much to us because we're not on crosses dying. But if we could understand spiritually speaking, we and others aren't going to live forever in this life. Every, listen, everybody lives forever somewhere. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you better get saved. You better get to Jesus. And we need to try to get people to Jesus. Because, listen, he cares. He cares about lost souls more than we can ever imagine. But we got to get them there. And he said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I can't imagine story after story of a sympathetic Savior coming to people in their needs. And I just want to close with this. Oh, thank God for Jesus, our sympathetic Savior. He saw us in our sin and our filth and our debauchery. Amen. Our depravity, our hopelessness, our wickedness, our ungodliness. So I don't see it that way. I do. Why? Because that's the way Scripture shows us. There's no good in us. The Bible says, listen now, the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sin. It doesn't say we're sick. Dead. That means we cannot live eternally without the help of God. I was on my way to hell. Somebody cared. And somebody witnessed to me. I was witnessed to several times. Finally, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And my life was changed. I had a sympathetic Savior. But I had some other people like Christ, Christian. Christ-like, who cared about my soul. Let's care about people's souls. Amen? Oh, let's turn to one more scripture. I had much more, but um, let's go to Psalm 40 and we'll finish. It's about quarter to twelve. You'll get there in time to beat everybody else at the buffet. It'll be good. Amen. Chapter 40 of Psalms. This is a great psalm. We, we, we know about Psalm 40. David, of course, the writer. Listen to what he says. Just the first few verses. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined his ear. Uh, he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Amen? Remember, remember being there? I do. Verse 3, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that hath, that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside the line. You're looking at a blessed man today. I'm looking at a bunch of blessed people today. If you know the Lord, you are blessed. But I want you to know why. Because we have a sympathetic Savior. And there have been some people that wanted to enter into the ministry of the Lord and they themselves are sympathetic soul winners. People who care. People who do whatever they got to do to help. Amen? Now let's close our eyes if we would, bow our heads and want to ask a couple questions, we'll be done. Let's ask ourselves, are we sympathetic? Do we care? Do we have empathy toward others?
when I read these stories, it makes me think, man, I am missing it. I am, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tuned in like I ought to be. Maybe at one time in your life you were. God, open our eyes again to folks going through trouble and sorrow and difficulty. Oh God, open our eyes to see people lost and heading toward a devil, devil's hell to eternity without God. Let's be more like our Savior. Let's be sympathetic. Oh Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to us. Oh Jesus, thank you for coming and taking upon you our sin and dying for us on the cross and shedding your blood to wash away our sin debt. Oh Holy Spirit, we pray to you today. Dear Holy Spirit, do the work that I cannot do. Convict, convince. Lord, if there's somebody that needs compassion today, someone that needs comfort, you're the comforter. Help them. And Lord, you've helped us now that we've been comforted. Help us to go and comfort others. Take the message, apply it to each heart. Lord, if there be a soul here today unsaved, Lord, I can't convince them. I can't make them do anything. But dear Holy Spirit, would you please draw them, bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ today. Woo them, I pray. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.